a great way to be called into worship. Fairest Lord Jesus, now the one who is immortal, invisible, the God only wise has called us to gather this morning. The grace and peace of Christ be with you. Good morning and welcome to Laguna Presbyterian Church as we gather to worship God this morning. We also gather for fellowship, so turn to your neighbor and welcome them here this morning. So you can tell 70 of our women are on retreat this morning. Good job, men, for getting here this morning. So they'll be back after lunch, so keep them in your prayers for safe travel. Let me bring your attention to some of the announcements here in our connections page. Next Sunday morning, March 24th at 11.15, our very own office manager, Leah Lind, will be leading up a home visitation ministry team seminar. So if you're interested in visiting folks in our church who are maybe ill or lonely or homebound, Leah will be talking about putting together a team of us to visit those folks and to bring blessing to them. A week from next Saturday, March 30th, we will have a town hall meeting that will take place at Tankersley Hall from 9 to 10.30. Gareth I. Snogel will be leading up that meeting, talking about our mission study and what our next steps are in our mission study. So we hope you'll join us on that Saturday morning. Let's see, we have registrations going on for several of our camps, Club H2O, 
Vacation Bible School and Forest Home. So if you're interested in those camps, you can talk to me. And let's see here. Last but not least, if you'd like to sponsor a lily that will be up here for our Easter Sunday service, you can sign up at the cart on the church patio. So lots coming up. You can see here in our connections page. Gareth. Let us pray together. For this beautiful day, gracious God, we are grateful. We are thankful that we are called to be in your presence, to be in the presence of one who pours out wonderful love, not just upon us, but upon all humanity. And so bring us into a deep sense of your abiding grace and mercy, that we might celebrate who you are and then bring you to the rest of the world around us. So let us worship you now in the spirit and in truth, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. To worship. The Lord is our light and our salvation. Why should we be afraid? The Lord protects us from danger. Why should we worry? God is our shelter and our refuge, our peace in the midst of the storm and turmoil of our lives. God lives up above the fray and sets us high on a rock, safely out of reach of those things that threaten to overwhelm us. Let us offer to God our songs of thanksgiving and praise. Let us stand and worship God together. Oh, wait. 
Please join me for our responsive prayer of confession. Forgiving God, we confess that we have rebelled against you. We have allowed doubts and fears to hold us back from the freedom you have given to us in Jesus Christ, our Lord. We have been quick to blame others for our weakness and slow to accept responsibility for ourselves. Kyrie eleison, Lord have mercy. Christe eleison, Christ have mercy. Let us now take a minute for personal silent confession. Amen. Hear the good news. If anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Receive the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Amen.
Lent is a time in history when the people of God intentionally give up things. Today we are giving up a lot of the women who are normally here. We are called to give up control over our lives and control over other people's lives. To give up a little bit of our freedom that other people might have more freedom. To lay down my freedom so that people on the outside, even the outside of this church, might have more freedom in Christ. Letting go of my religious tradition that people might know Jesus. And so the Galatians letter is about freedom. It's about the intentionality of giving up control over other people's lives and voluntarily giving control to the presence of a loving God and being a servant of the Most High God. And so we read Galatians chapter 2, the first 14 verses, with a focus on what it means to let go of controlling other people and living in the freedom of Christ. The Apostle Paul said, After 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. I went up in response to a revelation. Then I laid before them, that is, the people in Jerusalem, though only in a private meeting with the acknowledged leaders, the gospel that I proclaimed among the Gentiles, in order to make sure that I was not running or had not run in vain. But even Titus, who was with me, was not compelled to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. But because of false believers secretly brought in, who slipped in to spy on the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus, so that they might enslave us, We did not submit to even them for a moment, for that the truth of the gospel might always remain in you. And from those who were supposed to be acknowledged leaders, what they actually were makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. Those leaders contributed nothing to me. On the contrary, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel for the uncircumcised, Just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel for the circumcised, for he who worked through Peter, making him an apostle to the circumcised, also worked through me, sending me to the Gentiles. And when James and Cephas and John, who were acknowledged pillars, recognized the grace that had been given to me, they gave to Barnabas and me the right hand of fellowship, agreeing that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. They ask only one thing, that we remember the poor, which was actually what I was eager to do. But when Cephas, that is Peter, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood self-condemned. For until certain people came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles, but after they came, he drew back and kept himself separate for fear of the circumcision faction. And the other Jews joined him in this hypocrisy so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were not acting consistently with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, 
If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you compel the Gentiles to live like Jews? The word of the Lord. Now this text is full of circumcision. We in the Presbyterian tradition don't talk a lot about circumcision. And it makes sense that we don't. Paul later on talks about three categories of people that are contrasted with those who are circumcised. Women and circumcised men. Circumcised men and slaves, who are mostly not circumcised. And Greeks and Gentiles, not circumcised, versus circumcised men. Lest this be a sermon that gets reduced to circumcision, I'm going to move on. There is freedom in Christ Jesus. That's the heart of what Paul is saying. Freedom from slavery, freedom from the Mosaic Law, freedom from the Jewish or any other religious system, freedom to do the will of God, freedom to choose to follow Jesus. And the counter word that we see in the heart of this text is the word enslavement. As Paul says in verse 4, because of false believers secretly brought in who slipped in to spy on the freedom that we have in Christ so that they might enslave us. Those are the counter terms, freedom and slavery. It is an intense word that is a concern for bondage that might be imposed upon people and freedom from that bondage. The intensity of bondage and the intensity of freedom. Many years ago, I got to know a CEO of a small high-tech company that used to create software to manage bonds. It was a consulting firm, and they were developing a new software package to help bond managers manage their bonds. And they started a competition to see if someone could come up with a way to name their new product, their new bond management system. I knew that the CEO was Jewish, very strong Hebrew man, and he loved Hebrew stories. So in the middle of the night one night, it dawned on me, he is a people who understand bondage. Hmm, that has to do with bonds, doesn't it? And he wanted to be able to have the cutting edge of bondage. So I said, why don't we name it Bond Edge? And he loved it. My wife and I got a free weekend to La Quinta to play golf. It's the only time I've ever named some secular business's major new release of their product. Be careful if you try to have me name yours, all right? 
you see, one of the things we remember about the Jewish people and they remember about their own story is they were a people who came out of slavery. They were a people who were caught up in bondage. And Paul was very much a person who had been nurtured in that system of remembrance about slavery. He was so committed to being anti-slavery of Jewish people that he was willing to enslave everybody else to make sure Jewish people were not enslaved. Do you get the irony of that? So committed to make sure that his own people were, were free that he was willing to put everybody else in some form of bondage. I believe that that's one of the big temptations of today. We want to maintain our freedom to such an extent we are willing to imprison everybody else in the world that we might be free. Be careful. That is a dangerous pattern that Paul very strongly resisted in the Galatian church. Paul himself knew what it was like to be a vigorous persecutor of the church. He breathed threats of intimidation toward them. He made sure that some of them were executed by stoning. He threw a lot of them in prison. He did not like the freedom that they had in Christ. After all, he had grown up with all of the commitments to keep all of the laws perfectly in Judaistic tradition. He knew the playbook, and he knew that the Gentiles and those new Christians didn't play by the rules. Do you know of a situation in your life where you got upset with somebody who didn't play by the rules? Now hear me loud and clear. I'm not saying we shouldn't play by the rules. But when we start attacking other people because we become concerned that they don't have the same rules that we have, and we start making life miserable for them because we want to make sure we keep the rules, then we have a problem. I call it ecclesiastical or religious terrorism. We are so zealous for our tradition and our pattern of life that we are willing to make other people miserable who don't fit into our pattern of life. Paul was very concerned about that because he had personal experience of what it meant to make other people's lives miserable because they didn't fit into his pattern of life. And in his conversion, he heard from Jesus that that was the wrong way to behave, and he was militantly opposed to that kind of behavior. We notice in Galatians chapter 2 that circumcision is mentioned six times, the Gentiles are mentioned six times. The circumcised and the uncircumcised. Paul knows that the world is divided between those that are Jews and those that are Gentiles. And he knows that Jesus has come to put a stop to that division. Jesus doesn't like when humanity is separated into opposing parties. Let me say that again. Jesus doesn't like it when humanity is set up into opposing parties. It is a judgment on how we do life. 
not only in the church, but how we do life in our country. Notice Paul was saying on the one hand, those that were pro-Jewish law, those circumcision, were guilty of hypocrisy. They lived in fear. They went around spying in secret on other people. They were committed to enslaving others, seducing them back into a pattern of life that held them captive. And they would withdraw and separate themselves if they didn't think that they measured up. The actions of Christ followers on the other side were for freedom. They opposed such divisive patterns. They refused to submit to high control people. They said, no, we're not going to do what you want because Jesus would not do it that way. And they spoke the truth in loving confrontation or carefrontation. Even the Apostle Paul said to the Apostle Peter, Peter, you're wrong. Because Peter was duplicitous. He'd withdrawn from his support of the Gentile church in order to not look bad with the Jewish church. We don't like people who get out of line from our perspective. We are tempted as Christians to pass judgment on them. I remember a session meeting in a previous church. One night we were discussing whether or not one of the members of the church should become an elder. And it was brought up that that elder had a history of promiscuous life patterns, had committed adultery, and had divorced his wife, but since then had repented of all that and said he was wrong, had remarried and lived a good life. And I remember that conversation. Should he be an elder? Can we restore him to a forgiven place? And I remember one of the elders saying, why should we reward him for getting away with playing around? You see, I've wanted to play around, but I didn't do it because it was the wrong thing to do. Very interesting. This guy has exercised freedom that I've always wanted to exercise, and I'm going to block him because I didn't have a chance to exercise my freedom. Whoa, jealousy. How often we use our separate states of looking at other people as a way to rationalize our jealousy towards them because they are getting something that we don't have enough of. That's one of the problems you see in the story of the prodigal son. The elder brother looks at the prodigal and the way he has lived his life in absolute dissolute living, blowing all of his money on wild women, and he comes back home with not a cent left and his father welcomes him back. And the elder brother says, what is this? How dare you show such grace to a person who's blown their freedom? And he refuses to go to the party that dad throws for the youngest son. You see, he thinks that that brother has misused his freedom and he's angry. Maybe some of us who look at outsiders or people who have fallen away are angry because we think they've misused their freedom 
but deep down inside we kind of resent that God still loves them. Freedom is to live in this country, to work in this country, to be educated in this country, to grow a family in this country, to vote a different way than us, to follow a different religion than us, to speak a different language than us, to live a different lifestyle than us. Well, some of that freedom pushes us too far, doesn't it? Because we want people to be like us, like the Apostle Paul wanted the Jewish people and the Gentile to be like each other. We can often say to the person who's from the outside, why you are taking away our freedom. You're doing things that we would not do. How dare you do that? Now I'm sure I'm saying some uncomfortable things today. But this is a very uncomfortable book. And I didn't talk anymore about circumcision because that would have made us all very uncomfortable. You see, we are supposed not to wander outside of our own tradition, our own pattern of life. When I was in elementary school, I had grown up so big so fast that I could outkick, outhit, and outplay most of the other boys in the school, just because of my size. And then one day I decided, I'm going to go play jacks with the girls on the steps. Well, the other boys did not like that one bit. How dare you go play jacks with them when you're supposed to play ball with us? And they called me a sissy. They called me a fairy. One of them even punched me in the gut and said, you've turned away from us. How quickly we get jealous when somebody else is exercising their freedom. We see a lot of evidence of that in our world today when people abuse their freedom. The college entrance scandal that's going on. People using their money and their privilege and their power and their position to rob others of their possibility of going to a good college. The recent massacre of 50 people in New Zealand at two mosques. And isn't it ironic that the murders were done in a place called Christ Church? All God has a sense of humor. Killing Muslims in Christ church. We don't want those Muslims to be in Christ church. I once talked to a Muslim woman who came to the National Presbyterian Church in Washington, D.C., and I said, Why do you come to this church? You're Muslim. She says, I know, but you're the only place I can go that talks about Jesus. Maybe freedom might be invitational. Maybe freedom might be a place where we can see people come closer into the proximity of who a loving God really is, rather than walls put up to keep unwanted people out. Yes, we should have boundaries, but we should never have boundaries without a clear center of grace and love and mercy with Jesus there. Walls without a center, a center that is full of grace and love, 
are only destructive and hurtful. Today we celebrate St. Patrick's Day, at least those who are semi-Catholic. Those of us who are Protestants do so a little bit on the side, particularly if it's the right pub. And we remember that St. Patrick was remembered because he had an unusual ability as a follower of Jesus to engage the Irish people in their own culture. He did not try to bring the Britain-Roman culture to Ireland. He brought Jesus to Ireland and let Jesus be in the midst of the Irish pattern of life. And the Irish loved him because he didn't try to make them Britons or Romans. He allowed them the freedom for the nobility of their own nation and their own way of life. And isn't it amazing that Ireland, even to this day, is known as a place that celebrates beauty and creation and the wonder of God's loving presence in all of the bright colors and greenery of the world. We must not forget that St. Patrick actually included women in the leadership of the Irish church, much to the chagrin of the Roman church, because he honored the full humanity and the freedom of all those who Jesus touched. And so today, let us not be conceited, as Galatians says, competing against one another or envying one another, let us be guided by the Spirit of God, not being restrained by the things that push us apart, but being included by the things that draw us together in the pattern of Jesus. Let us pray. Gracious God, you help us to live in the way of Jesus in freedom. Help us to say no to those things that take freedom away and yes to those things that allow people to have a deep center of your loving presence. So thank you that you show us the way of Jesus and give us lives of freedom that we can share with others. Amen. Please stand as we affirm our faith together from the book of Colossians chapter 1. Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. In him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible. All things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him God was pleased to reconcile all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. Amen. You may be seated.
Let us pray together. Almighty God, you created all that is, and with love, you formed us in your image. When our love faltered, your love remained steadfast. You gave your only Son, Jesus Christ, to be our Savior, the hope of the world. As our Creator, we trust that you hold the destiny of the nations in your hands. And we pray for our own country this morning. Inspire our leaders and our future leaders to first seek goodness and righteousness, that order, freedom, liberty, and peace may dwell with your people. We pray for all the nations. Take away the mistrust and deep-seated hostility that divides and increase in all peoples the recognition that we are all created in the image of God. This morning, we especially lift up the victims and families of those lost in the tragedy and violence in Christchurch, New Zealand. We pray that you would bring them comfort and hope. And may all the nations, may their nation and community support groups surround them with comfort and strength. Bring resolve, courage, and wisdom to the authorities. Bring justice to those who bring hatred and terror. And in the meantime, we cry out, How long, O Lord? May you continue to strengthen our own church in its work and worship in our communities. Fill our hearts with your self-giving love. Cause our voices to speak your love and praise. And may our lives conform to the image of your Son. We pray that your Holy Spirit would nourish us with your word and empower us by your grace daily that we may faithfully minister in your name through Jesus Christ, our Lord, the one who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I now invite the ushers to come forward as we give of our tithes and offerings.
amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Let us stand and sing that as our presentation of the offering, verse 1. Gracious God, as your people give us a heart to serve you, empower and move us to show our thankfulness for all your goodness and mercy by giving ourselves to your service, to reflect our love for you and for our neighbor. May we cheerfully submit to you all things in your blessed will, and all good things come from you, and so with gratitude we return to you what is yours through Christ our Lord. Bless now this offering we ask. In Jesus' name, amen.
you need prayer this morning, we invite you at the close of the service to make your way forward to meet with one of our prayer ministers. They would love to pray with you and for you. As we sing Amazing Grace this morning, remember who wrote that song. John Newton brought thousands of slaves to Great Britain, one of the great slavers of that nation. And one day Jesus stopped him in his tracks. Amazing grace that would save a wretch like me he spent the rest of his life as an abolitionist trying to get rid of slavery. That's what Jesus calls us to in freedom is to spend the rest of our lives getting rid of slavery. That's amazing grace. Go in the grace, mercy, and love of the freedom of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.